This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless.
Our text for today is found in Acts, the 14th chapter, verses 8 through 10. I'll be reading from the King James Version of God's Word today. And it reads as follows. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. As we speak today to the subject, stand up. Amen. Stand up. Our world today has become increasingly passive in the defense of the values that shaped our national and moral codes and spiritual basis. Specifically, believers have fallen asleep at the wheel as it pertains to lifting up the standing of Christianity and defending the faith. In our text today, we find Paul in the midst of an encounter with a man in Lystra. That's the embodiment of our posture today as it pertains to lifting up the name of Jesus. More than ever before, God is calling us to shake off the crippling effects of the world's view of God and instead stand in the liberty that we've inherited through Christ and proclaim the good news to a dying and sin-sick world. When it comes to faith, many times the reasons why so many of us fail is that we fail to adopt the initial posture necessary to be in faith, and that's to stand. In order to make transition, in order to make a showing of something, we have to take a position that people notice. Yet oftentimes us as believers want to lead from the back, as it were. We want to say we have faith, but not have anything tangible that people can see that would resonate faith. In boxing, there's a term called telegraphing, and when a boxer telegraphs a punch, the, other, the, the opposition is seeing what they're about to do, and it gives them adequate time to move in such a way so that they can counter in a, in a fashion so that that punch that they're throwing has become ineffective and they in turn can do damage. We're in warfare, church, and we have to understand that when we lead from the back and don't stand in faith, but strive to sit in faith or strive to position ourselves somewhere outside of the line of traditional fire, that's telegraphing to the enemy that we don't believe what it is that we're saying. That's telegraphing to the enemy that we've taken a posture where I think I can when we have to be in our no standpoint because we know that our Redeemer lives. And because we know that our Redeemer lives, we know that everything as it pertains to him in prayer is yea and amen because the word lets us know that God can do all things but fail. So our word here is letting us know that we must actively demonstrate our faith. Amen. We can't passively talk about our faith. Our word today is calling us to actively demonstrate our faith. We look at our text today and we see that the individuals, the main characters in our text today have all taken positions where faith is on full display. There's no way that faith can hide in the background. There's no way that faith can hide on the sidelines. There's no way that faith can take place where people can't see it. This is taking place in the midst of a major city, Lystra. This is taking place with an individual that has a very real infirmity. This is taking place with an individual that has professed faith and that has taken a stance and a position of of faith. God is calling us to do the same thing. Stand up as men and women of God. Stand up as men and women of faith. Stand up as women, men and women that proclaim and profess the good news and stand on the word of God so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. You may say, Pastor, how can I actively demonstrate my faith? You can actively demonstrate your faith first by rejecting your plight. Amen. We've got to reject our plight. 
Look at what it says here in verse 8. It says in verse 8, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. Now, when our text here, we see a man who the Bible says was crippled since birth, sitting as Peter came his way. We can only imagine that throughout his existence, that a myriad of thoughts had occupied his head. The thoughts that occupied his head as he sat day after day in his state might include hopelessness and despair. Those thoughts must have flooded his mind to the point that, that he could have given up and resigned himself to his plight. Yet something on the inside wouldn't allow him to accept his current condition as his permanent condition. Something on the inside drove him to, to believe that there's something more. Something on the inside got him to thinking that there's another day and, and I'm going to go out here another day and there's going to be something different. Something on the inside moved him to take action on the outside. That something, church, was faith and it compelled him to continue looking up for his coming change. Now, in the same fashion, the enemy is roaming to and fro, seeking whom of us he may devour to keep our fallen and sinful state ever before us by reminding us of our sin and our separation from God as a result of it. The enemy does all he can to keep us thinking that we're disqualified, to keep us in our plight, to keep us in our I'm not worth it mindset, to keep us thinking that we're not worthy to come to God in prayer, to keep us thinking that we're ineffective in the, the ministry gifts that God has given us, to keep us thinking that we've got to practice our faith on the sidelines or practice our faith from the back or practice our faith in a passive sense. The Bible is letting us know today that the answer to that line of thinking and mindset is no. Like the man at Lystra, we too have to reject the enemy's lies concerning our plight and embrace by faith our redemption through Christ. We've got to realize and understand that God isn't judging us based on what we've been, but God is looking to us to be what he's created and called us to be in him through Christ. Amen. We've got to understand and realize that, that this mortal body, this flesh, by nature is sin. At our very best, the word declares that all that we do is nothing more than filthy rags. The word lets us know that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the thing that makes those of us that stand for Christ different than those who've resigned themselves to the plight that they have is the faith that we have, the blind trust in God. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the belief that God, the plight that I'm in right now is not the destiny that you have for me, is not the end that you have for me, is not the outcome that you have for me. The enemy is trying to keep me bound. The enemy is trying to keep me muted. The enemy is trying to keep me silent, but I'm making the conscious decision to come back day after day and stand on the wall and take my position and do the work of ministry and exercise my gift, not for my glory, but God for yours. Therefore, we must stand with confidence, church, and remember that we are new creatures through Christ. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the word that I like there is behold. 
Behold is a word that means, check this out. Behold is a word that means, hey, look. Behold is a word that says, come here, take a look at this. Behold is an attention grabber. God wants us to be attention grabbers, not so that the attention is placed on us, but so that the attention is placed on God. Because as we walk by faith and not by sight, we're walking, looking at something different. We're not walking, looking at ourselves. We're walking and looking at God. And as we walk and looking at God, the attention is going to be drawn to us. And as the attention is drawn to us, people are going to gravitate to look at what it is that we we're focused on. And if our walk is a faith walk, our focus is going to be on God. It's not going to be on man. It's not going to be on stuff around us. It's not going to be on what's happening in the city. It's not going to be on the weather. It's not going to be on what I'm wearing. It's going to be on God. What's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? Give me the resolve to do your will. For my life, because as I do your will for my life, victory is inevitable and it shall be mine, which leads us to the second point that we have here and how we actively demonstrate our faith. Not only must we reject our plight, but secondly, we must be willing to receive the word. Amen. We have to receive the word. We look at the man here in Lystra, this cripple who who has 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 uh, um, uh, rejected his plight because he's there day after day. But look at what it says here in verse nine and verse nine is pivotal here. It says here the same heard Paul speak. Let's stop there. The same meaning the man that was crippled since birth, the man that was crippled since birth has been in Lystra and Lystra and, and, and Paul has been in the region before. Paul has preached revivals in Lystra. Paul has had signs, wonders, and miracles follow him in Lystra. Paul has done acts, as the book implies, that lift up the name of Jesus and let people know that Jesus Christ is Lord. So this man is not ignorant to who Paul is. This man is mindful of who Paul is. But look at what happens here. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Let's stop there. So in this point, an irresistible force, which is this man in Lystra, who's functioning by faith, has heard about the immovable object, which is Paul, the apostle of God, through Jesus Christ, that's been empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's wrecking shop everywhere in the region, that, that's doing as the word says, creating witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here, these two meet. And Paul has a captive audience. He has a captive audience in the crippled man. Because as we see here, the crippled man is not sitting here in his plight. The crippled man catch this, is sitting here in expectation. God doesn't want us to sit and have a pity party. God wants us to be expectant of him doing something great in our lives. In our text here, we find the man in a perilous plight coming face to face with the word that dwelt in the apostle Paul. It says in the verse that Paul steadfastly beheld the man meaning he couldn't take his eyes off of him. It wasn't because of anything on the outside of the man, but the faith that resonated on the inside of the man that Paul perceived and was drawn to. 
It wasn't what he had on. It wasn't the money that he had. It wasn't the car that he had parked next to him. It wasn't a house. It was the faith on the inside, the greater one that lived on the inside. The word thrives in an atmosphere of faith because it's in this atmosphere that the Holy Spirit is truly liberated to do his work. Let me repeat that. The word thrives in an atmosphere of faith because it's in this atmosphere of faith that the Holy Spirit is truly liberated to do his work. The word thrives when it's given liberty. The word thrives when the spirit is given free reign. The word thrives when the atmosphere is made conducive for God to truly show up and show out and have his way. We talk about it in church all the time. But often I think we miss it because Many of us hear the word go forth. But we don't genuinely listen to the word and let the word resonate and have its way in our lives, because if we did and we truly positioned ourselves in a place of worship by faith in reception, God can move and truly make change, lasting change in our lives. Now, in the same manner, God desires us to tune out the noise of confusion that the enemy seeks to keep up in our minds and spirits and receive the word that he has for us by faith so that the Holy Spirit can be liberated to move through us and change our lives as we change the lives of others. We've got to understand and realize that God's desire for us is to not only reject our plight, but to receive via the word by faith the measure of life that God has for us. God desires us to give him full and complete control. God desires us to set the atmosphere because all he needs us to do is to be a willing vessel. A vessel isn't the one that creates the concoction that goes in it. A vessel is simply one that holds the concoction that's in it. That's all a vessel is. A vessel is one that holds the concoction and when people grab something to drink and they're not grabbing it to say, man, that's a nice cup or a man, that's a nice glass or or man, that's a nice mug or, or man, that's a nice can or, or man, that's a nice bottle. They could care less about the container. They want what the container holds. The faith that God has given us to walk in, the faith that he's calling us in to stand up in is the faith to say, God, not only do I hear you, but I'm listening to you. And I'm willing to change my posture so that I can receive what it is that you have for me. Because what it is that God has for us in the word is more than we can hold, more than we can contain in our present and current state. God has called us to do more than we have the capacity to do. If the vision that you have and the work that you have, that you've identified for God to have given to you is not one that stretches you beyond your comfort zone and beyond what you feel you're able to do, you're not operating in faith and your vision is not big enough. When God gave me the vision for Living Witness Ministries, he gave it to me in one phase as a church called Solid Rock. And I didn't see how it would happen then, but as the name implied, we stepped out in faith and what we landed on was the rock that was Jesus Christ. 
So when God took that ministry and 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 changed it and 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 and, and changed it into the new form that is taking now. He changed the name and it's called Living Witness Ministries and Living Witness Ministries is based on the premise of being just what the name implies, being a living witness of God, walking by faith and not by sight, which means that the things that God has had, the things that God has shown me for the work and for the ministry, the things that God has for us to do are so far out of the realm of possibility and what we see right here and now. So far off the reservation as those who walk by sight would say that they think I'm that they think that I'm crazy for doing what it is that God has for me to do. But because I trust God, because my faith is an irresistible force that's seeking the immovable object of the anointing and power of God that's housed in his word. Because it will not be shaken. It will not be moved. It will not be deterred off its course. That impact, that point of impact is going to create a mushroom, a mushroom cloud of anointing, a mushroom cloud of, of salvation, a mushroom cloud of healing, a mushroom cloud of change, a mushroom cloud of impact in the world where lives will never be the same. And God desires to do that in each and every one of our lives. But he can only do it if we're willing to make the atmosphere conducive to what he desires to do in our lives. And that's done by faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. But before anyone can walk, they've got to stand up. You can't walk sitting down. You don't believe me? Try it. You don't get very far. Because the weight distribution and the logistics of doing it are such that it's just not possible because when we stand all aspects of our members are involved. Our legs are involved. Our torso is involved. Our arms are involved. Our head is involved. Everything has to be aligned. Everything has to be in perfect weight balance to do what it is that we need to do. That's called walking. And walking in and of itself is not the end. Walking is a means to get to what the end is. Even if it's something as simple and as solo as weight loss, you've got to do the act of walking. The walking itself is not the end game of the weight loss. The walking is the means to get to the end of weight loss. God is calling us by faith to stand up so that we can move out and do the work of ministry to bring about the change. Therefore, we have to understand that we have to stand in obedience to the word and realize that our steps are indeed ordered by the Lord. James 1 and 21 puts it this way. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness this implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Receive under control the power that you have to save souls. Receive. In humility, under control, through the word, the blueprint for what God has for you to do. That blueprint is going to blow your mind, as we'll see in verse 10. That blueprint is going to absolutely blow your whole mind apart. Absolutely leave you wondering how this can be done. 
absolutely leave you thinking, God, you must have called the wrong person because I'm not even able to do what it is that you've called me to do. I'm not even able to say what it is that you've formed my words, my ver my mouth to say. I don't speak that language. God is like, I know you don't speak that language. That's why I need you to receive my word, because as you receive my word, I need you to do the last point today. And the last point today is we have to react in faith. Amen. We got to react in faith. It says here in verse 10, and I want to go back to verse 9 to drive the point home in verse 10. It says here in verse 10, beginning in verse 9, the same, which was a man in Lystra, heard Paul, the man of God, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he, the man of Lystra, had faith to be healed. Verse 10 said, Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright or stand up on your feet. And he, the man of Lystra, leaped and walked. The man, when he reacted in faith, not only did what he thought was impossible, but he did, as the word says, exceeding abundantly above all that he could even ask or think because it was according to the power that was at work in him, the power that had been engrafted in him, the power to ultimately save souls. But it started with giving him the capacity to stand up and do the work of ministry, to stand up and actively demonstrate the faith that he had professed, to stand up and actively demonstrate that God is on the move, to stand up and bring about a change in the city, to stand up and create a headline in the city, not for himself, but for God. In our text here, Paul delivers the word that the man had been anticipating, and he made the choice to act on the word he received by faith. And chose to change his position. Hmm. The man acted by faith. He rejected his plight. You've not taken a step since birth. Your feet don't even work. He received the word, stand up and be healed. He reacted in faith. And not only did he stand, but God gave him the wherewithal to leap so that there was no doubt in anyone's mind, including the man's mind, that this was God. That was doing the work. But none of this could take place unless the man made the conscious choice to take action that he had never taken before. And that action he'd never taken before resulted in a foundational shift in his posture that changed his life perspective forever. There's a basic principle of wisdom that says in order to have what you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. Faith is the impetus for us to do what we've never done because we're believing God for something that we've never had. And we know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power, the dunamis power that's at work in us we've got to react by faith to the word that God has spoken we've got to say yes Lord when everything in us wants to say no we've got to say I'll do your will Lord when our will is 180 degrees counterculture to what God desires we've got to be willing vessels if you go to a canning plant and get a can that's not made right the fibers aren't right in it 
and you put the fluid in there because in order to put the fluid in a can, in order to put the fluid in a bottle of seal, pressure goes in there. The pressure goes in there through carbonation and the pressure is designed to keep the fluid fresh. The pressure is designed to keep the fluid in a, in a state so that when that can is opened and that fluid is consumed, it can have the desired impact and result on the body of the individual that's consuming it. God has to pack us with just a little bit of pressure. The pressure of knowing and understanding that God is doing the heavy lifting, that God is doing the work in this situation. All he needs us to do is be the vessel that's willing to hold. And we've got to react in faith, knowing that God, you put the sinew in me. You've put the essence in me. You've put the gifts and talents in me to do what needs to be done. In the same way, God desires to deliver his word to us. And for us to respond in faith by changing our posture towards him. Now, each of us have a destiny. It's only by faith that we will fulfill our destiny and change our life perspective forever. We've got to walk by faith, church. We've got to understand that this walk that we're on is a faith walk. But before we can walk by faith, we've got to stand by faith, realizing that God has given us the wherewithal more than the wherewithal to make us not only conquerors, as the word declares, but more than conquerors through him because he loves us. He loves us so much that he gave. He didn't send. Because I've made the mistake of saying at times in messages when I and even in witness when I speak to people that God so loved the world that he sent. No, he didn't. He loved the world so much that he gave. When you give someone something, that means that you're presenting it to them, to them, not looking for anything in return. You're presenting it to them as a gift because they're valuable to you. You're presenting it to them because you understand the place that they hold in the scheme of eternity and in your life. You're presenting it to them because they're important. God is calling us to change our posture, to change our shift, to change our position because the souls that he has for us to save are important to him. And if they're important to him, they're important to us because God is important to us. But more importantly, we are important to God. And he needs us to stand up. He needs us to stop leading from the back. He needs us to stop being passive. He needs us to stop telegraphing our next move to the enemy so the enemy can get out of the way and counterpunch. We've got to be in a constant state of attack. The Bible says that the kingdom suffers violence. The, the devil's not playing, church. The kingdom suffers violence, but we've got to be the ones that take back by force. The scripture says the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent taketh by force. This is not something we can say, uh, excuse me, devil, would you mind taking your hands off my stuff? No, no, no. In the name of Jesus and by the authority and the power that's, that's vested in me by the Holy Spirit, I command you, Satan, to take your hands off my finances. Take your hands off my family. Take your hands off my faith. Take your hands off my ministry. Take your hands off my body. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off everything that God has given to me. Because he deserves it. That's the mindset that God desires us to be in. That's the mindset of standing up because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Take a stand and don't let the enemy run roughshod over your life. So we have to stand church in agreement with the word and recognize that our faith will ignite the faith in others 
to believe the good news and receive Christ as Savior and Lord. We got to understand that our faith is like a wick that sets off other faith. Our faith is like a flamethrower that sends a spark to somebody else and kicks them off. Because I can only imagine in the crowd when the man got up that had been sitting there, that had been crippled since birth, that man sparked something in somebody. That man had said, well, that, that man sparked something in somebody. So they said to themselves, well, if God can do it for him, God can do it. You can do it for me. If God, if you can move in that situation, God, you can move in my situation. It's kind of like when a kid sees their childhood hero in a sport or in a, in a position of authority or in a position of success. It ignites something. It inspires something. It sparks something in them so that when they 20, 30 years down the line are doing the same thing and they come face to face with their inspiration, they can say to them with tears in their eyes, you were my inspiration. You inspired me to do this. You resonated with me. Something in your witness registered in me and made me say, I want to do this and be just like you. How much more does God desire us to be living witnesses of him so that when others come to him, when we get to the kingdom and we receive our crown, we can hear the father not only say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and he turns and shows us the souls that have come to know him because of our faith. Souls that we may never even meet on this side of glory. That someday we'll see in glory that it, with tears in their eyes, they'll say, I'm here because of your inspiration, because of your faith, because your faith led me to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, I'm here because Jesus saved me. But I never would have even opened my ears to listen had it not been for your witness of faith, your example of faith. Which leads me to Acts 6, verse 7, as I close. And it says, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. God is calling us to be obedient priests to the faith today more than ever before. He's calling us to reject the plight that we're in right now. He's calling us to receive the word that God is giving to us right now. He's calling us to respond and react by faith to the word that we receive. Knowing that as we do these things, we're going to change our posture actively and no longer confess our faith passively, but instead profess our faith openly that the enemy might realize and understand that his time is up, not only in our lives, but in the earth. Stand up and be counted for God by faith and watch how God moves and blesses in your life. Amen. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die 
that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin. I ask you into my heart and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.